Welcome to the Rocky Road Podcast, brought to you by Rockbusters, with your host, Dennis Wager. Dennis is a best-selling author and an expert in demolition, rock, and concrete breaking, as well as a professional blaster. He is also president of Rockbusters Incorporated, along with his son, Brian. On the podcast, you'll hear exciting stories of how these challenged types of rock and concrete jobs are done. you learn about the uses of expanding grout and explosive devices. But furthermore, you'll hear about some of the hurdles and struggles entrepreneurs and business owners have had along the way, how they got started, and how they broke through the obstacles and found the path to success. Along with that, some insight for young people and people wanting to get into the industry. So listen in. I hope you enjoy the show. Now, here's Dennis Wager. Good morning, everybody. Uh, hope you're having a great day. So I want to welcome to the show today, John Norman. Welcome to the show, John. Well, thank you, Dennis. How are you doing today? You know, a uh, nice gloomy day in Southern California, uh, but, uh, you know, it's it's good. Life is good. Good. And whereabouts exactly are you again? Maybe you want to just tell everybody. Oh, sure. So I'm in uh, Southern California, Orange County area. It's where I have my offices and we have a blasting operation uh, about an hour and a half away up the hill in the high desert on Barstow. Cool. Cool. And then I uh, just wanted to also say that uh, now you've become a distributor for us in the California area. And uh, that's been great to, to uh, bring you aboard and, and kind of get things going now. And uh, maybe you could just tell a, a bit about uh, your story and uh, kind of what, what, uh, how things have been going. What got oh, you sure. Into it. Well, I'm happy to say we got our first order, uh, a pretty good sized, uh, you know, uh, order for the large, uh, 22 millimeter cartridges. That's kind of a unique product. Uh, I looked around quite a bit. My customer looked around. There was really nothing comparable. They'd been an auto stem customer before that product has been hard to get and they had some pro- issues. The uh, Royx 22 millimeter, just a really good fit. Uh, this is an underground mine doing surface utilities and expanding some drifts and things like that. So they want something that would fit in um, long, skinny, like inch and an eighth holes, and this fit the bill. Um, pricing and availability is good, and uh, you know, so we got that order. We're really happy about that. Uh, of course, it's a little challenging to do business in a very regulated place here, like California. Uh, so one of the, the value add uh, sort of things I do as distributor is I can help people get their blasting program, their magazines, their inspections, their permits and all that sorted out. We've been working on that. And yeah, it's been successful so far. Yeah, that's great. And we've had a lot of calls and inquiries too in your area. So I've you know, been working with you on those and uh, we're going to work <clears throat> together on that. And, and I, I think doing some demonstrations for people would really be a good thing because I think people just get stuck, you know, and they don't really know. They, they don't really, it's not even that they don't really know. They don't have a lot of options. It's, it's really what it is, right? Um, oh, I mean, yeah. in the I think marketplace with, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, in the marketplace with low explosives or deflagrating cartridges, you really only have auto stem, Roy-X and Nexburst or non-X, they call it. Um, and, you know, on auto stem, I, I'm, Sure, it's like the most predominant uh, of the three in the U.S., but the performance doesn't compare to what we can do with Royx, and it's really just kind of getting Royx in the hands of people and showing them what it'll do and the difference and how the cost is cheaper and and the product is stronger and better. So that's that's what I want to. That's what I'm looking forward to. <clears throat> yeah, I see uh, Royx. You know, based on customer feedback and and the research I've done, testing other stuff, kind of a 
like a next generation product, you know, originally designed for the European market where, um, you know, safety standards and, uh, you know, quality control and so forth, the expectations are, are higher probably than they are maybe in, uh, you know, mining and construction overseas and, you know, some of those less developed markets. And even the North American market has been, you know, not well penetrated with this sort of product. So I, I think this is a really good fit. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I, I totally agree with what you said. I think, well, I, I think Sweden was the, the place where dynamite was invented <clears throat> a million years ago. Yeah, their standards are, are very high in Europe and, and in Sweden. And I, I think in Sweden, there's something like, I don't know, a blaster on every corner or, I don't know, three blasters per capita or something like that. Some crazy numbers, but way, way more uh, than we have here in North America. And so it's, it's really important to them to have the quality. And I think what they've done, you know, I know them very well, how they've invented the product and all that. And, and I think for them, everything is, you know, total integrity. It's got to be just right. They're very strict on, on the production. And it's important to them that it works the best. And where we see that is, is really in how it performs. Like, you know, I've blasted for a long time. I've used the next burst. I used to sell next burst for quite a long time. Um, and I had problems with it. You know, we would do a shot and, you know, we'd do two or three, four rows. And then the second row, the first row would break fine, but the second row wouldn't break to the, to the ground level. It would just have like a camel hump in it. And then you got to go back and reshoot that. And uh, it was a total pain. And with Royx, what I really appreciate is this, it's way more consistent. You know, you fire it, it works and you dig it out. Yeah, I think there are some issues with some of those uh, products where they're using, you know, surplus artillery powder and, you know, recycled munitions and stuff like that from, you know, like that, that African market. And uh, I I think that, you know, new, fresh, you know, high EU standards, uh, quality control stuff all around is just kind of nice. I know they reformulated it. I had a chance to look through all the data. I believe they put some antioxidants and other stuff, so it's really shelf-stable. Uh, and I think they've done just a nice job of kind of engineering that whole system. Yeah, and then also the little detail things that people don't always notice right away. You know, like, for example, with our igniters, they're only half an ohm of resistance, you know, where you go to next burst, and they're two and a half ohms of resistance. And, you know, it doesn't really matter if you're going to shoot two, three, four, ten cartridges. But where it does matter is when you want to fire a big shot and you can't because your blasting machine won't handle it. And then you're into like sequential timers and all the other kind of crap that's expensive to rent or, or to buy. They're like, I think, about $5,000 to buy. Uh, whereas you can, you can if you have like a 100-ohm uh, blasting machine, you can blast, you know, a, a very big shot. And not, not only that with wiring it in, like you look at ours being like a modular cartridge. You know, actually, I have one here. I don't know if you can see it. But uh, uh, it's just, you know, it has the igniter that goes into the top. You screw it in and you can uh, deck them. You can put one at the bottom of the uh, hole and one halfway up. Or you can stack them or you just put one on top of the other. You could put two, three, four, however many you want in the, uh, together. And as long as they're touching, then one fires the rest. So that really reduces the amount of extra wiring that you have to do because you're only wiring the one cartridge and you're also saving uh, on all of the other igniters because you don't have to buy them. They just just stack them on top of each other. And the other big benefit to that, too, is say you're out on a job and, and you have an extra thing you have to do. You have a, an extra boulder or knob sticking out you want to shoot. 
and you don't have the right size of cartridge. So maybe you have a couple of, uh, you know, two tens instead of five hundreds. You can just take the two tens and, and put them together and stack them together and fire that so that uh, you get the job done. You're, you're not having to search, you know, or reorder and get the exact size of cartridge. Yeah, my experience with the uh, the auto stem, you know, it has its self stemming thing. That's definitely not going to propagate, you know, downhole well reliably. And no. the Nixpress Nonex, it has like a kind of a wedge shaped top, which is maybe designed to seal well, but it also is not going to let you propagate it. So this is kind of a nice thing. No. I mean, one of the things I don't know what other countries do, but the U.S. you typically have to have one inventory sheet uh, for every product type and date shift code. So yeah, the more products you have to take care of, the more pages in that notebook, the more opportunity if you have employees for that to get screwed up. So uh, just being able to buy, you know, you're better off buying a hundred of the same thing than uh, you know a case of this and this and this and this. If uh, you uh, you know have to keep inventory and 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 your license is on the line if someone does the paperwork wrong. Yeah, exactly. And, and I know you're an expert on the transportation. Maybe you want to talk a little about that, how that works compared to high explosives. Okay, sure. So, you know, a long time ago, they had like class A and class C. Class C would be like fireworks and pyrotechnics and things like that. And class A would be dynamite. Uh, that was kind of the, you know, what you had. Um, now everyone uses the harmonized uh, international shipping standards, you know, division one, high explosives, division 1.1 cap sensitive high explosive, like your dynamite. Um, things like that. Uh, your 1.4 is now your pyrotechnic product. That's what the Nixburst, the uh, Royax, the Autostims, all of these products, you know, they work differently, but they're all broadly classified in that category. Uh, what, we, what we have uh, with, you know, transportation issues and storage, we really have two things. So in the U.S., the Department of Transportation uh, regulates everything that either you personally do or as a common carrier. And they say that any um, Division One product in commerce, uh, at a minimum, you know, has to be packaged properly and certain things like that, labeled, have a bill of lading. Uh, but typically, you're going to see that um, anything used in a blasting operation is being considered in commerce. And as such, any 1.1 material like your dynamite and, and that sort of stuff is going to require placarding. Placarding means that now you have triggered the requirement to have not just signs on your vehicle warning people about it, but you're going to have to have a driver physical, a commercial driver's license with hazmat, a random drug test program, a certified inspection on your um, tractor, trailer, pickup, van, whatever you have on a periodic basis, a checklist. And the big kicker is $5 million in over-the-road insurance. And the cheapest quotes I've ever seen on that have been like in the fifteen to 20000 a year range for a single operator. So it's there's a lot of um, you know overhead in transporting that. Most people just get it delivered tailgate service from their vendor if they need it, uh, or they have it delivered right to their magazine so they can store it for later. Um, Storage-wise, your Division I, 1.1 material also has to be in either a Type 1, that's like a uh, built-into-the-wall or into the hill bunker, or a type two, that would be a quarter inch thick steel box with two or three inches of oak uh, or similar hardwood lining, two locks, and you know, sighted well away from houses, roads, uh, public buildings, that sort of thing. So it's a fairly expensive um, enterprise to even store. I mean, you're going to look at probably 
ten to $25,000 for a new Type 2 magazine. And you're typically going to have two of them because you can't store your uh, blasting caps or detonators in the same magazine. Now, when we talk about Royex, okay, that gets a little bit different. So that is a 1.4 product. Uh, in most cases, most states, you can carry even in commerce for commercial work or for someone else, uh, up to 1,000 pounds of that product, and that's a net explosive weight, uh, as long as your vehicle is under a certain weight. And you can uh, store that with a uh, very simple, what's called a Type 4 magazine. It's what's used by fireworks companies. Uh, it's basically just a sheet metal box with a non-sparking lining and two locks. So uh, a common one that the ATF has accepted in the U.S. would be... Uh, like your standard job box or NAC uh, you know, toolbox that you use at job sites. Uh, it does have to be the kind where the locks are flush with the, the unit, where you, know, you don't have any lock that's hanging out that could be sawed on or pried on or anything. But that lined with uh, like Herculine or Rhino lining, and uh, it'll pass an inspection, no problem. Uh, you can make a portable one. You can have a, uh, uh, you know, a fixed-in-place one at your place of business or your mine or your construction site, whatever you want to do. And, um, you know, it, it works out great. Um, low explosives also, if you just have those igniters, you don't need a separate magazine to store them in either, typically. So fireworks, mm -hmm. pyrotechnics, electric match, and initiators, if they're not what would be considered a blasting cap or detonator, can even go in that same box. And, uh, again, no uh, specific insurance or training or hazmat requirement for transporting reasonable exempt quantities of those. So it just makes it uh, life a lot easier if you're going to use those for work. Yeah, a lot of times what we'll do is just ship the igniters in the same box as the cartridges. So it just comes as a package. Uh, and that's okay here in Canada to store together. That, that's actually yeah, your preference. Same. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. And then what's, what are the steps people have to go through to getting uh, a magazine license and uh, being able to use uh, Royx or any of the, the, the uh, low explosive products? So in the U.S., uh, starting in uh, about the year 2000, I think it was fully implemented in 2003, we had something called the Safe Explosives Act that came out after 9-11. Uh, and uh, prior to that, there were all kinds of users, farms and agriculture and railroads and highway departments that just had sheds and garages with dynamite and caps sitting out and all that. And they said, okay, that had to go. So basically what everyone, you know, post-2003 has to do at a minimum is get what's called a federal explosives license or permit from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. And in order to get that, basic requirements, you have to be 21 years of old, at 21 years of age or older, you have to have a clean criminal record and they will fingerprint you and run your background check. And uh, you have to pay a fee. It's between, uh, you know, like $100 and $300, depending on whether it's renewal and which license. But basically, you fill out an application packet uh, that will verify your business address and incorporation. If you're a LLC or, or a business entity, they will they'll want to see what storage plan you have. Uh, if you have magazines, they're going to want an aerial uh, drawing of where they are. You fill out a worksheet for each magazine, you know, what the construction is. It's, you know, one-eighth inch sheet metal with uh, plywood lining and two locks or, you know, whatever. Um, you put all that stuff in there and a photograph of yourself, like a passport photo. Um, there's some other miscellaneous information, you know, your intended use, mining, construction, agriculture, whatever. You send that off. Uh, they cash your check. They do your background check. And typically, uh, actually by law, they have to tell you yes or no within 90 days. And they're very serious about that. Typically, within about 30 days, you get a call. They say, hey, you passed your background check. 
we want to come out and talk to you and uh, have an interview. Uh, if you have a magazine, they're going to want to inspect your magazine or magazines at that time. And they'll typically do that at the premises address that you listed. If you, The other way to do that, if you have a distributor near you that is willing to hold onto your product, you can get what's called a contingency agreement. And that's where uh, I, you know, if you're my customer typically, or maybe you have another blaster that you, you know, chip in with their expenses, you, uh, you get a letter from them stating that uh, they will hold on to product for you, or if they receive product and go to use it and, you know, they get rained out or they get sick or their truck breaks down, you're willing to help them get it back into a magazine uh, and safely stored. And, um, you know, you'll make that available and open it up after hours if needed or something like that. So you can either get your license with a contingency letter or with your own magazine, which is obviously more flexible. And uh, you're going to have that interview. You're going to have that background check. They really want to make sure that you understand the federal laws. They have a a checklist on that. They want to know that you have at least uh, notified your local fire department and that uh, any other necessary permits you have, you don't have to have that all in process. Um, you know, you can say you've applied for it or you know, at least know what it is. And, um, and they're going to want to make sure they know that you have that safe storage, whether it's agreement or magazine. Uh, and then within about two weeks, you're going to get a blue envelope in the mail. You know, your federal explosives license is here. Uh, beyond that, some states, that's all you need to do. You're okay. done. Other states like Oregon doesn't have a, a blaster's license. California does have a blaster's license. It's kind of like taking a contractor's license test. There's an experience requirement and taking a okay. test. It's only 15 bucks for five years. Um, other states, uh, okay. you know, there's local permitting, all that. Great. So I'm hearing that it's it's uh, pretty easy to uh, get set up in the U.S., in particular in California with the magazine and licensing. Uh, it's not difficult, which is great. It's, it's good for people to be able to have this as a tool. Um, so, yeah, mostly the, the most uh, the best intended uses for it are like quarries that they have, uh, you know, like uh, dimensional stone that they uh, that they produce. Uh, mines, you know, if they have uh, mines that they need to shoot over size or uh, or hang ups or anything like that. Also, we've done a lot of mines up here in Canada where they really love the wrecks because what they can do it doesn't generate the uh, gas, uh, the poison poisonous or noxious gases that Hyax uh, does. So now uh, the one mine that we we work with here in uh, Kamloops. Uh, they've approved it to be used on shifts. So typically they would all, only blast between shifts. So now they can blast any time that they want with Broex. And uh, it's been great for them. Um, yeah. So yeah. things like that. Construction, boulders, house excavations. You know, we do a lot of uh, luxury house uh, blasts. Or, or we, we not only blast, but we use expanding grout, as you know, too, and and uh, other things as well. But uh, definitely been, been a good uh, fit. Yeah, where I see it, uh, you know, occupying the niche, you know, large bulk excavations, you know, where they, you know, don't have to worry about throwing rock or making the neighbors angry. Sure, they're going to get the emulsion truck and the tractor drill and do it that way. But the oversize, anything that would shut down the pit or the mine, you know, you can put a 40 or a 60 gram cartridge in a pretty large boulder, drill one hole, stem it and break that into five pieces without having to evacuate the whole place. Or you can crack something well enough that uh, it can be hauled away or broken up with a hammer uh, on site with, you know, very minimal disturbance. Uh, I did a, you know, yeah. a bunch of surface rock at a house site and the neighbor came by at some point because we'd warned them. They said, hey, so when are you going to start blasting? I'm like, well, you know, we've been blasting since seven this morning. And uh, that part is really good. Uh, boulders, it's, you know, phenomenal for that. 
uh, I would say, you know, in place rock. Uh, it definitely occupies the space in between high axe and expanding grout where it's still pretty gentle, but it can get a lot more work done per amount of drilling than expanding grout. Uh, you know, that, that's one of the things I see there. Yeah, me too. I, I think that's exactly it. Just it's, it's that really in the middle where, so you can, you can avoid a lot of the regulations. And I know one of the big things in areas of California are the pre-blast surveys. I know in San Diego, you have to do a pre-blast survey on every house or every building structure uh, within a 1,500-foot radius, which is huge. And it's, uh, I've heard, $750 per house. So you can spend thousands and thousands of dollars before you even hire a blaster. <clears throat> Where this falls under that line so that you can avoid that. Uh, and it just, it just makes it so much, uh, brings so much more value to it. Yeah, and I'm going to say a that... Lot of, a lot yeah. of guys... <laughs> A lot of guys, they just, you know, that's just not in the budget to do all those surveys and, and blast. It's just not uh, worth it. So they just don't. So they're they're looking for other ways such as this. Uh, and that's where we get all the calls. It's, it's just kind of like, oh, I can't blast. What can I do? What what other ways is there, right? Oh, absolutely. And Or they won't let you store high explosives on site because it's in a neighborhood. So either you're paying for delivery every day at, you know, two to four dollars a mile this one you know it can come in a job box and leave every day they're not going to get too concerned about it the fire marshal you know if you want to show them you can just set one off on the concrete and it just pops the ends off and burns like a road flare there's not much going on there yeah it's not it's not until it's confined that it goes to work but uh, yeah no that's exactly it so it's just such a great tool to to be able to get these kind of jobs uh, done and where roex is really superior to the rest is you can do it in a small diameter hole which is a lot uh, faster to drill. And now with us having the 1100 gram cartridges or, <clears throat> you know, the, the really big ones, you can, you can do it in an eight foot deep hole with, you know, depending on the hardness of the rock, you can do a six by eight pattern, an eight by eight pattern or six by six pattern, um, but way bigger patterns and take out a lot more rock than you can with the competitors. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the competitors are looking at typically more like, you know, three to four feet of burden tops, um, you know, you don't have yeah. those long powder columns that can really shatter, say, the top crust and the bottom and not have, uh, you know, like, yeah, like you said, the camel humps. Yeah, yeah, they're they're painful. It's always with blasting. The worst part is trying to go back and do a small amount. Like if you're six inches high, like, how do you deal with that? Right. Like you're going to have to drill and shoot two feet and yeah, you don't really yeah. want to take out two feet. No, and that's hard to do without throwing rock. Right. Or, you know, getting enough stemming because, you know. You either want like typically two or three cartridge links if it's a short cartridge or, you know, 10 to 20, 10 to 30 times the diameter of the hole, ideally, like with high explosives or well-confined deep holes. And it's pretty hard to do, you know, just a foot or two. Uh, I'd probably reach for grout more often than not with that. And um, yeah, you know, it's just that's a, it's that's not a, a super easy thing to do. Yeah, that's a lot of the work that we do is, is we'll go in there uh, after blast, after bulk blasts are done. And then we'll just do the detail work, you know, trim up the edges. We'll take out any high spots or humps and bumps in it and level it off. We come in, we have like our laser levels. We, sh we shoot the grade so that we know exactly where we're going to. And then we just finish it off and it, it works quite well. And I think that's also another area. It's actually like a, a business within itself, even to just come in behind blasters, you know, and then just do the touch-ups, you know, because, you know, they have to carry the insurance. They're expensive. Not that we're cheap, but, um, they want to blast and go away, you know, go on to their next job where, you know, we're fine and, and 
totally happy doing these these small jobs and just the, the detail stuff and, and just getting it right to where a, bla- or a, a builder can take off take over from there you know Oh, definitely. Well, I mean, I would say a, a large commercial blaster, they want to do the big stuff. They want to be gone after they push that button and do the post-blast yeah. walkthrough and make sure there's no explosives. And they don't want to sit around for two days while you muck it out and do increasingly to them risky activities like trying to shoot 18 inches there and 24 inches here, you know, with high explosives. And that's just costly for them. And they don't want to be there. So why not take that business yeah, and I don't know how it works in California, but here in BC, well, actually, in, within BC, we have West Vancouver, which is a very strict uh, district to, to work within. And uh, what they do is is they make you do a survey before you you blast, and and you make an application to how much you want to take out, and and they have a formula that they use based on the square footage of the house that you're building. But the maximum, no matter how big your house is, is 600 cubic meters. And uh, you can't go over that. Even if you want to build a bigger mansion, you can't go over 600 cubic meters. So they also include any rock that you take out, like for the drain tile to go around. Like, you know, you have to overblast by four feet to allow space for the drain tile. And uh, they include all that, even though it gets backfilled. And builders argue that till cows come home, but they just don't care. Uh, and then if you overblast, like depth-wise, they, they count all that too. And they also make you do a post-blast survey to, to prove the quantity of rock that you did take out. And if you're over by any amount, then they're going to fine you potentially. So where this comes into play, like even doing bulk blasting for the center uh, and then maybe grout for the perimeters or you do ROYX for the perimeters, but then you can you can be uh, a lot more accurate and do the precision blasting this way and then have us come in and do the detail work after work afterwards or or we can also train other contractors to take on this kind of work as a business themselves. So that's what our goal is, just to train and bring on, on board more and more contractors across the U.S. and Canada. Uh, provide the training, teach them, show them, help them get going. And then, you know, we want to bring on board more and more distributors across the U.S. We, we really want to target, you know, Colorado, Utah, New York. Boston, all those, and you know, Virginia, North and South Carolina, difficult jurisdictions. Yeah. Yeah. There's some that are difficult and some that are not. And it's just kind of working people through helping them work through what they've got to, you know, get done and and put in place. But hopefully we can, we can continue to do that. And yeah, if anybody has any questions, just reach out, uh, give us a call and yeah, we're just happy, like I say, to get you going down to California that's very exciting. And uh, yeah, let's look forward to what we can accomplish down well, there. Well, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, you know, I, I feel like uh, we actually do have a reasonable supply of people with blasting experience, but very few people who have worked for a contractor or mining company really know how to set up the program and carry their own licenses and insurance and magazines and all that. So I think a lot of our role is going to be that consulting and helping people with the paperwork and the compliance and setting up that program and getting good at these new specialty products. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm, I'm really happy to have you on board and, and have you down there to, uh, for that. So that's that's great. And yeah, I'm just really excited and looking forward to what, uh, what we can do in the future and, and get things going down there. Excellent. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode and tell us your story, visit our website at www.rockbusters.com. If you have a project and would like to learn more about our products, or if you're interested in partnering with us and becoming a distributor, give us a call. Thanks again. We appreciate your support.